0: Welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Podcast, where we remember the founder of Open Doors, Brother Andrew. A faithful servant with a mission heart, he lived for Christ and has died in Christ. From a post-World War II Holland, he bravely smuggled Bibles beyond the Iron Curtain into communist countries where religious freedoms were stripped by hardline governments. Conservatively, his travels logged one million miles and 125 countries. A memoir, God's Smuggler, has sold 10 million copies in 35 languages. He was a forthright yet humble man who gave all the glory to God as he discipled the persecuted church. A social and cultural engineer, he built bridges to Muslims and turned Islam into an acronym. I sincerely love all Muslims. What drove the man who drove the beetle? To find out, Nick Bennett reflected with the founder of Open Doors Australia, Dean Keeney.
1: Brother Andrew has passed. What That's a man.
0: Right. What a
2: man. And uh, his legacy will live on for many years. And he's touched so many lives, uh, us included, my wife and I. That's that's why we're here. That's why we're in Australia. Mm. I read his book, God Smuggler, back in 1967 in America. He came out to speak in the church, was talking about getting Bibles in the Eastern Europe and all that, and I stood up and said, Lord, yeah, I'll go if you send me, but I'm not going unless you're going. <laughs> <laughs> but we did start supporting Andrew as uh, a mission, and uh, we did that for about 10 years. And then I think the Lord kind of said, well, I guess it's time for you to get up and go. Mm. And then we got this prayer tape from Brother Andrew's office in California.
1: The tape. Tell me about the tape. That was one of those old school cassette things. Now, what was the story behind it?
2: Little old cassette tape. They actually, Brother Andrew came down in about 75, 70s. I think speaking with YWAM, Mm. he was working with Lauren Cunningham, and and which he often did. He worked with other missions. He would help out any way he can because his heart was for missions. He came, spoke for them, and uh, many people got so enthused by what Brother Andrew was talking about and wanted to know more. They started writing to... YWAM asking, uh, what's Andrew doing? Can they support him? And they were sending in support to Andrew to YWAM. And so they contacted Andrew, said, look, all this support's coming in. What do you want us to do? He says, well, I don't know. Take out some fees for your you know, trouble to look after the names and that, and I'll start praying about it. Mm. And then it was a little while later, he finally contacted his Asia director head, Brother David, and said, I think it's time to go to Australia to try and find someone to start the base.
1: What was it about Brother Andrew and his commitment to bringing relief and support to the persecuted church that has impacted us so deeply today, all these years later, in excess of 70 years later?
2: I think it was the fact that, you know, he really loved the Lord and he wanted to serve Him and give Him all the glory and he he cared for the body of Christ. And that's where God touched him. And when he first started going into Eastern Europe, way back in 1955, I remember the verse of Scripture God gave him. It was Revelation 3, verse 2. Awake and strengthen what remains, Mm. and is at the point of death. Mm. And so when Andrew started going in Eastern Europe, he would fill up his little Volkswagen with Bibles for the church. The Christians who he knew were being persecuted, not allowed to have the Word of God, were put in prison, tortured all kinds of things, but he was going there to bring him God's word, to encourage him, to strengthen him, mm. that they would remain, that they would remain faithful. And that was his heart. That got into his heart, and he was willing to go. And he, also in that Bible, it was Revelation 3.8, mm. where God named the mission for him. He says, Behold, I set before you an open door, huh. and no man can shut it. And Andrew used to often say, you can go anywhere in the world for the gospel. Mm -hmm. You just have to go. Don't worry about coming back.
3: So I took off in July, 55, by train from Holland to Warsaw. At the end of that conference, there was a huge parade. And there were masses of people, all wearing the red scarf. And I stood there, And God spoke to me from a verse which I found, of course, later in Revelation 3, verse 2. Strengthen what remains, which is at the point of death. It's
2: dying if you don't do something. That's what it says. He often said, Look, it's not your ability, it's your availability. If you're available to God, God will use you. And he said he's willing to go anywhere, anytime, no matter what. And that was his his calling. And he was willing to do that.
1: You mentioned YWAM before. I guess if YWAM hadn't been operating in Australia, perhaps Open Doors would never have happened here. What other charities, what other Christian organisations do you think, Andrew, impacted and potentially inspired to be?
2: Well, I know one particularly was Wycliffe Bible translators because they translate the scriptures. and What Andrew's heart is for the word of God. And so when uh, this instance happened in America, and I heard about it where Rick Wycliffe was having uh, dinner meetings, and their speaker, who was supposed to come from the field to, to give this talk, was for some reason at last moment unable to come. So the board of Wycliffe had a problem. Here they got all these meetings arranged, no speaker. What are they going to do? And they started looking at their charter and who was on the board. And then one man went down and he says, oh, look, let's, here's this guy. Why don't we ask him? And they says, who are you looking at? And they says, von de mm. Anna von der Bale. Anna von der Bale. And everybody else says, well, who's he? Who is he? And the guy looked at him stunned like, that's Brother Andrew. He ah. says, you kidding? Would he come? Sure. He called him. Andrew says, when do you want me? And he came over from Holland and spoke in all the dinner series. And I think they had one of the largest offerings <laughs> through all the dinner series for Wycliffe mm. uh, that ever happened. And it was because he wanted to help keep missionaries on the field not always having to come back to raise support when their support started to fade because of either a church breakdown or family broke apart and their main support started to, you know, plummet. And then people had to come off the field to actually raise that again. And Mm. Andrew's heart was, no, I want you on the field. That's not going to happen at Open Doors. (laughs) You're going to stay on the field because things are changing so fast in the world. There are Christians in this country, in the other countries.
3: You must go and strengthen them, otherwise they will die. And that began a totally new life for me. And it was also the seed, the seed of a new ministry. It's called now Open Doors.
1: He didn't really know the Lord until maybe his mid Twenties is that right?
2: Yeah, he actually got wounded in the war, and he had this wound in his foot that wouldn't heal until he was in the hospital. And I think it was people trying to share with him at that time, and he he reached down to the bottom of his duffel bag, and pulled out that Bible that he was given long ago by his mother. Yep, and Mm. he started to read it. Mm. And actually, he came to the point to do the step of faith, which is mentioned in the book. Lord, if you're really real, then I will follow you. Mm. And they stepped out, and as he stepped out, he was going to head the church. And as he took that first step on that foot that wouldn't heal, God healed him. And so he knew God was more than just a name, that he actually does things. He's mm. alive and well today. And I could tell you a story about this book that my wife read because she spent many times alone because I was you know, taking Bibles to China, to Vietnam, even took some of our kids. Yeah. But she read the book, God Smuggler on an Airplane, coming to Denver to be a teacher, even before I met her. And she couldn't believe it. She says, is this book real? Yeah. And she kept looking at the title says, this has got to be fiction. <laughs> God don't work like that today.
3: Now that I... I've come of age, more and more people ask, Andrew, what do you want written on your tombstone? I have options. One of them, it sounds very pious, he's not here, he's risen. Or another option is, he did what he couldn't.
2: He was in Salida, Colorado, and uh, he was having back problems. And he had a bad back. And so he got on this uh, plane with this first guy who was trying to help him build the ministry. Mm. And he had a plane crash. The guy flipped the plane in kind of a windstorm that came up, flipped the plane over, hit the deck, broke Andrew's back. He ended up in the hospital. I think Corey had to come over from Harlem. Mm. And Andrew used to always say, he says, you got a back problem? Get in a plane crash. <laughs> Fix mine. <laughs> it fixed it right up, you know. Uh. And he was able to go on. Was he a funny guy? He could be, but he could be very stern too. He very committed, mm. you know. When we brought him to Australia here, uh, well, actually three times when we came to Australia. The whole purpose to start the base was to get the mission started here in Australia and to do that. Uh, I came in January 78. They were sending Brother Andrew in September 78. I Mm. didn't know anybody, (laughs) and I was kind of sweating it. I was figuring, like, Lord, what are you doing to me? But the Lord came through, and like I say, this is the Lord's mission. Andrew is God's man. Uh, We are his servants. It's his mission. Always will be. And you know, it just continues on because God's in it from ground zero. He started it. Uh and when Andrew came, you know, it was we just brought him to three big venues and filled them up with thousands of people and he spoke. Wow. And it was that him speaking put Open doors on the map. Mm. I mean, people were signing up on the, you know, the the list to get on information. They were signing up for the prayer cassette tapes, where they would get requests for prayer and testimonies of trips by Bible couriers, especially Brother Andrew. And Andrew said, Gee, "Prayer groups are coming up out of the ground." You know, yeah. <laughs> they were springing up everywhere. And so after. We had five major rallies there, and then he went on to New Zealand and spoke over there. But he was such a challenging speaker. From the minute he opened his mouth, he caught you. Yeah. And he held you to the end. And it was, uh, by that time, most people were, what can I do?
1: We could talk for hours about Brother Andrew's achievements. One of them was that in 2003, he received the Heritage of Faithfulness Award from the Christian Association of Senior Adults in California. But it's written that his proudest moment was being named a blood brother of the Apache Indian tribe in 1980. What
2: do you make of that? Well, that's his heart. He, he wasn't up for rewards. He wasn't in it for, you know, fame, fortune. It was for God's glory. And I loved every time I heard Brother Andrew speak, in one phrase he always came up with, all for the glory of God mm. for the glory of God. I mean I knew of I'll go back to Pat Boone, the American yeah. singer Christian yeah. guy. He approached Andrew and as I think uh, others have to you Andrew we got to make a movie of God's smuggler. Andrew didn't know he said no right you are not going to make a movie of my life. And that's him, just like in Project Pearl, when we used the tugboat and the barge to deliver the million bibles, Mm. people were saying, well, keep the barge, keep the tugboat, do it again. Andrew says, no, sell it. Oh, wow. Get rid of it. We don't want any golden calves. Mm. We're not putting our worship into anything other than God and his glory. That's Andrew's heart. He
1: really exhibited great bravery and took himself off into Islamic countries Yes, and yes. met up with some
2: pretty radical guys. Yeah, he was meeting with uh, Hezbollah, Hezbollah and the Hamas yeah. leaders and because he stood for Christ and was honest and open, they respected him and he wasn't shy about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. He would actually say, stop your killing. Stop the terrorism. Stop the suicide bombing. Follow Jesus, Prince of Peace. Mm. You'll have peace in your heart. And he would do that. And he actually, one time he sprung on his fellow pastors over there. Mm. I don't know exactly where he did it. But he said, I got a friend coming to lunch today to visit you. So he had about five or six of his pastor friends. Mm. Uh, And guess who walked in? The leader of Hamas. Oh wow! He brought him into that lunch, sat him on one side of the table. The pastors, of course, were on the other side. Wow! <laughs> Probably first looking for the exit, but then they he took it, stood back, took a photo of it, mm. and they were leaning in, talking together, wow. wonderful dialoguing. That was Andrew's heart. Get him to talk,
1: peace broker, talk
2: with him, yeah, peacemaker.
1: He frequently turned the word Islam into an acronym. For yes. oh, I sincerely love all Muslims. That's right. He really is a superhero for Christians. What do you think some of the reactions are going to be in his home country, in the Netherlands?
2: Well, it's interesting on that one because, I don't know if you know this or not, but Andrew would not allow God Smuggler to be printed in Dutch.
1: I did not know that. Why?
2: He didn't want to be known as any more valuable or any above any of the other people than the people we go to church with. Yeah, wow. It wasn't about him. Again, it comes back to that. It's not about him. It's about Jesus. It's about Christ, the love of God. Mm. And all the glory goes to God, not to Andrew. A disciple of Jesus
3: Christ. That gives glory to God. A disciple of Jesus Christ. Is there any further explanation needed? Is it a greater honor than to be
2: called a disciple of Jesus Christ? I remember this story about Andrew. Yeah. I got into Cuba one year, too, with some friends from Canada. Being American, you're not supposed to go to Cuba, by the way.
1: No, they wouldn't like that.
2: (laughs) But I went to Canada, went down to Cuba, met with this pastor and his wife in a village, uh, in their church, and heard the story that they one stage in their ministry were going to give up the mission. Yeah, too hard. Too hard. Too much pressure, unbearable, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they said... But as we were on the floor, crying out to the Lord, saying we're sorry, we have to quit, we have to give it away. All of a sudden, this hand came on our shoulders, each of our shoulders. And then this voice started praying. And it was a Dutch voice. Oh. Brother Andrew Beautiful. was there personally, <laughs> praying for them and encouraged them. And there they were still ministering when I came there with a guy from Canada many years later.
1: Dean, it's been an absolute pleasure to find out more about this incredible man, Brother Andrew. A sad passing, but a delightful ending because we know he's going to be pretty good where he's gone.
2: Yes, I don't think he wants to come back. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you? Why would you, for sure. (laughs) Dean, thank you. Thank you, Nick. God bless.
3: Everyone is called upon to develop his own spiritual life. And I hate to talk about myself, but every morning when I open the scriptures and when I have my devotional time, I get up early just for that every morning of my life. And it takes me about two hours because I want to have those two hours on without telephone interruption that usually begins at nine o'clock in Holland. I want a good start. And if it is for no one else, I needed to maintain my spiritual life to make my prayer life more vital.
0: To learn more about our work that supports the persecuted church, check out opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz and take a moment to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Open Doors. Helping people follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost.